Do, 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 do. There we go. My name's Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to yet another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. What is Zen Parenting Radio? It's a podcast where me and my sweetie chat about all things awesome, right? Well, some are awesome. Some aren't, aren't very awesome. I'm just making stuff up. I don't really know what I'm talking about. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? Always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, uh, the um, two kind of big things is I'm going to talk about an app called Class Dojo. And Sweetie's going to talk about a hashtag Me Too. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to share a story that I'm not proud of that we already know. What we're oh, gonna, yeah, yeah. I'm going to call myself out because that's what we do as mature masculine men. We call each other. We hold, the, we hold ourselves accountable for our actions. And that's what we do as human beings. Yes, yes. But I tend to talk in terms of men. Well, and you know, we ju- I just had an experience uh, with this this morning with our daughter. She got her ears pierced and... Uh, part of the reason that our older two daughters do not have their ears pierced, but my youngest daughter wanted her ears pierced. We said she had to wait till 10. Mm-hmm. She turned 10. And the reason I told her she had to wait till 10 is she had to be old enough and responsible enough to take care of her ears, sure. right? I'm sure many parents have heard this before. And she's having an experience right now where one ear is fine and the other ear is infected, right. which is tends to be what happens. I think any girl who gets their ears pierced at one point or another has an infected ear. But my my point in saying responsibility is that what I'm talking to her about is not about how she should feel bad that it's infected or that she did something wrong or that she's not responsible, but this is an opportunity to become responsible. It's an opportunity to practice taking care of something that can become painful if she doesn't. And And when you focus on it that way, when you say this is an opportunity for you, like this is something that you can see the change. And she, so this morning she said, let's take a picture and videotape it so I can see it get better. Right. And um, it's funny. I actually wanted to bring up something that happened, I think, on Saturday. Yeah. Um, you're having a normal conversation with her and then she lost it. Oh, yeah. So what was, do you remember what the question was and what your what the answer was? Well, it was about her ear. She said it hurts. And I said, well, that's okay. Just go get your, the. we bought this kind of fluid stuff that you put on your ear. You can just use hydrogen peroxide. It right. doesn't matter. But I said, you know, just clean it and it'll start to feel better. And then she started to get really sad and said, actually, I lost that a while ago. (laughs) Right. And then she picked up, I think on, you know, your initial reaction, which is, Hey, you know, your reaction was what? Like, I was like, ah, yeah. Like where's, where did it go? And so here's the thing. Let's try to go back in time and remember what it was like when we were 10. Cause I remember this when I was a little kid, Uh but you know, I told a story about how I accidentally broke a window to my basement window at the Mm -hmm. house that I grew up in. And it wasn't like right in the front. So my parents would have had to investigate to notice that it was broken. Mm -hmm. I never said anything about it. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of hoped the problem would go away. Right. We have magical thinking when we're kids. We have magical thinking Mm -hmm. when we were kids. And I held on to that Mm -hmm. for like three weeks, Mm -hmm. worried that I was going to get in trouble. Right. I think the same thing happened to Skylar. Right. She lost it, held on to this information. Yeah. Hoping that it wouldn't. So then, you know, she didn't get caught doing anything, but the moment moment that it was realized Mm -hmm. that her ear hurt and it might be because she didn't put the stuff on, she totally, she was like a puddle. Yeah. And, you know, it's one of those things like as parents were like, 
why are you so upset? Like, it's not because of that moment. It's because she's been holding on to something yeah. for weeks. Yeah. And the one thing that we both said, I think you said it first, you sat down with her, like, you can always tell me anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not always going to tell no, you everything. they're not, no. So when this happens, you kind of have to normalize it and make them, for, for me, just don't make them feel guilty or shameful about it. Because we sometimes do that, like, because you told her. Like this is important, right? Well, yeah, it, yes, and there, and that's a whole another story of of how you know what she had to do to be able to get her ears pierced and what the expectation was once she had them pierced. But here's the thing: like as a parent, like I have that expectation, and I want her to be responsible. But I also believe that these are learning experiences, and we don't want her to be scared. No, and there, and everything is a learning experience. When something doesn't go well, and that's what she and I talked about this morning, she's experiencing the consequence of the pain, mm-hmm. and that she's experiencing that you know what it takes to really take care of your body, yeah. and that I don't necessarily, I wouldn't plan for it this way, but I don't necessarily think everything has to be linear. Mm-hmm. That you have to constantly be following the rules and making all the best choices because there's no learning in that. Right. And so I wasn't super shocked. Now, going back to the, um, you know, her experience with falling apart, part of it was, like you said, my reaction. She knew I'd be disappointed, but it was less about the moment of my disappointment and more about the buildup in her mind of what the disappointment would feel like and look like. And as Todd said, when I said, you can tell me anything, that sounds really cliche. And I think parents say that all the time. But what I told her is it's not about you can tell me anything. It's about let's figure out another way for you to tell me. Right. So next time you want to tell me something and you're afraid of my my reaction on my face or the disappointment, leave me a post-it on my computer before you go to school or maybe at night when you go to bed. Then I can read it. I can know. And then we can talk about it after everything kind of dissipates. Because I think our kids have this innate want to not disappoint our of parents. Of course. And their parents. Their parents. And the fact that, you know, as human beings, as parents, we're going to have a look, a moment, a minute of disappointment. Of course. And then we'll get on to our higher essence yeah. and parent the way we can. So I think that that is a genius tool in our toolbox that I think I wouldn't have thought of. And you've used it with the girls a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, parents, if you're listening and you and you identify with any of this conversation, give your kids the permission to write a note about something that's uncomfortable. And instead of saying to them, why didn't you tell me? I can't believe you didn't tell me. I can't believe you didn't tell me. And then shaming them for having those feelings of fear Instead, say, it sounds like you couldn't tell me. Let's find another way that you can communicate with me that will make you more uh, likely to share with me. Because the whole like, why, 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 they don't have an answer. All they know is that they don't want to disappoint you and they're uncomfortable. So your responsibility, or to me, the way that you keep the relationship and the connection intact is... It sounds like it worries you to tell me, so we'll find another way. Mm-hmm. And you work as a team um, because I really do think, and, and as Todd said, this has worked with my older daughter, so I know it's effective. Um, and it doesn't, again, like Todd said, it doesn't mean they tell me everything, but I'm creating more opportunity for them to share with me without having to deal with the initial um, disappointment. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So um, in an effort to um, continue to give our audience uh, some resources, I read the Sunday paper yesterday and I stumbled across something that doesn't have to do with me yet, but it will soon. And it's okay. about teenage drivers. Okay. This is real quick. Um, so if you have a kid who's about to get their driver's license or just has received it, 
Um, these are a few of the tips that I read out of the Sunday Chicago Tribune that will help. Um, the first thing in, in regards to, you know, ensuring your child, the first thing is what a lot of people sometimes do, which isn't the best thing to do, is don't be tempted to leave them off your insurance policy, obviously. Why would we be tempted to do that? Because some people like, you know, there's some some people out there that just don't do the right thing as far as using insurance. And they're like, oh, well, it'll be fine. They'll just be on mine and just assume everything is fine. You know, like they'll just have this presumption that the policy already covers them. Oh, got it, got it, got it. All right, so that's the first thing. Uh, Add them to your own as opposed to them getting their own. That seems pretty basic. Um, The minute that your kid... Uh, comes on your policy, your policy has kind of changed and, mo- and been modified. So um, it might be a good opportunity to shop around again uh, because the policy that you had uh, might not be so great for teenage drivers. And then um, they also, some insurance companies give discounts for good grades, which is interesting. Yeah, I, that's been around a while. Or they can take a defense driving class to reduce your rates, which is uh good for two reasons. One is you want your kid to be a safe driver. And two, if you could save a little, a little bit of money by them uh, taking the defense driving class, that helps. And then the last thing you could do to save money, because my nickname is Thrifty McSaves a lot, is you can limit the vehicle that they drive. So in other words, if you have, you know, one beater car and one really nice car, you know, and you just want them to drive the beater car, it will... Um, limit the amount that you have to pay in insurance. Decrease. Decrease, right. So anyways, that's my Todd's Quick Money Minute. That's a new section of our show, sweetie. I know. You know what's interesting? I was just having a deep thought about that there's a lot of different people who listen to our show and people who have really, really young kids, um, that's not relevant to them. But people who have kind of grown up with us, obviously they're in this world. But I just think about when we started this show, we would have never talked about teenage driving. No, but I that's know. where we are. Yeah. And that's, you know, to your point, we talk about things that are going on in our life. And yeah. if it, if you can identify with it and pull some value out of it, great. But we don't, it's weird. This is going to come out bad, but we do this show for us. Yeah. At first, Kathy and I, because it's interesting. If we did a show because how to raise toddlers today, we wouldn't Well, it wouldn't be it. quite as authentic. I mean, we could definitely give some information about our history, but yeah. when you're in the middle of something, you're feeling it. And yeah. so I really do believe, and I know what you're trying to say, that we do this show for, you know, we make sure we're enjoying it and we're getting something out of it, but it is a mission-driven show too. Oh, absolutely. Both and. Both and, yeah. Um, and then uh, real quick, I just read this. Um, the Boy Scouts of America agreed to let girls become Cub Scouts. I know. Did you see that? I did. Because cooties aren't real. I don't know who wrote this. The Boy Scouts have more than <laughs> 2 million kids across the U.S. earning badges. The Boy Scouts. Girls are allowed to participate in some Boy Scout programs, but there's always been a no girls allowed sign on the Cub Scouts clubhouse. Not mm. anymore. The change means that girls can work their way towards becoming an Eagle Scout. Nice. The Boy Scouts say the move is a reflection of what modern families want and will help help girls build leadership skills. The Girl Scouts say it's already the best leadership org out there, and this is merely a ploy to boost the Boy Scouts' declining membership numbers. Ooh, so a little ouch. bit of attention between the Girl Scouts and did, the Boy Scouts Did the of Girl Scouts really say that? I don't know. Whoever wrote this said. I didn't right. vet it. I, right. I was going to say that you got to be careful because you just said the Girl Scouts Somebody said. said. Somebody said, but not necessarily the Girl Scout organization. Yeah, that's true. I did not vet <laughs> I have a very strong feeling they probably didn't because that's not very But kind. what is true is that there is some declining membership numbers for the Boy Scouts. Oh, really? So, yeah. 
Really? So anyways, so that's the deal. Oh, and then one class, after lots of scrutiny, they opened membership to transgender boys and lifted bans on gay members and leaders. So. I did know all of that too. And that took a long time yeah. because there were a lot of stories previous to this story that those things were not changing right. or that the bans were staying in place or that there was court cases, you know, pending. So, you know, progress takes time. And I know we know that, but there's a lot of back and forth with progress, like where you move forward and all, all of a sudden the pendulum swings way back and then it inches forward again. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, it hasn't it always been that way? Mm-hmm. And you want to be like, no, yep. um, it took us a while to get here. And Todd, you know what? what? Cooties aren't real. No. So who had cooties, boys or girls or did I think the boys other... thought girls had cooties. Do girls think boys have cooties? Probably. What's that poem where you go, where they're like li- lizard tails and it's like a girl boy thing. Yeah. Do you know which one I'm talking about? I do. Like puppy dog tails. Yeah. What is that one? Uh, I can't remember. It's uh, like what girls are made of and what boys are made of. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's a, it's a slam against the boys, I think, isn't I it? I don't know. I don't, I don't remember it. But I just, Puppy dog tails. I just know cooties aren't real. <laughs> Except when people try and drink out of my water bottle. Yes. Then cooties are real. Sweetie sees the floaties. Oh, they must not do that. What are the floaties, sweetie? Everybody knows what the floaties no. are. When someone drinks out of your water bottle and they put their whole mouth over the water bottle, so just naturally, if you put your whole mouth over the bottle, then the water that goes in your mouth will go back into the water bottle. And I love you and I love my kids, but I don't. Sweetie, I do not disperse floaties. You're a floaty disperser. I am not a floaty disperser. Really? I don't. I mean, probably. (laughs) (laughs) But I can drink out of a water bottle where there are no floaties, but it takes a little bit of discipline. And I've been teaching my children along with all the other things we want to teach them. Just don't just put your mouth over half the top and then there's air for you to not. It, it, It like keeps you from putting your water back in the bottle. Yeah. Because I will share... If you do it that way. But if you do the whole bottle approach, I'm just done. So what I do now (laughs) is when the girls are like, can I have a drink? I'll say, hold on. And then I'll chug some water and I'll say it's yours. So I'll still share, but I've modified my... Or I've figured out a new way to share. Um, conference. Any update? Do you yeah. Anything you want to say? I do. I want to what say. What is the conference? Okay. The conference is the Zen Parenting Conference, March 2nd and 3rd, uh, 2018, about five months away. I yeah. mean, we're kind of getting there. And we have a big announcement where actually this is the hugest tease ever because I'm not going to announce it right now. Ooh. I know. But we have um, we have an exciting guest coming. <laughs> It goes on for 15 more seconds. Uh, let's not do that. We're, you're booing me, but not our guests, because no. we. I will make an announcement later this week um, and kind of share what's going on with the conference, because it's like a, it's a living thing. It's it's It breathes. It breathes. It's ever-changing. So uh, March 2nd and 3rd, get your tickets, because really, I think uh, tickets, early bird tickets are only available for another month, mm-hmm. um, which you may say, oh, I have plenty of time. But if you forget, then you're going to pay full price. Yeah. And that stinks for and you. And what kind of sucker wants to pay full price? I know. Not me. Not me. Um, so do we want to start with um, me hashtag too. Me Too or what I said on Saturday? They're both kind of They're connected. Okay. Let's start with Me Too. So last night, uh, we were watching the Cubs game. And usually, I know, it was a bummer. Um, It was a bummer weekend for the Cubs. Two games. Oh, and two. Yeah, I stayed in last night. I wasn't feeling very good. Just resting on the couch. And um, the... The Cubs were, you know, were playing and I like to check social networking and see what people are saying and check Twitter. I, I enjoy doing that during award shows mm-hmm. and during uh, games. And of course, um, 
on Twitter, I saw that a hashtag was going viral and the hashtag was me too. Um, and I was actually reading this morning where it started and some people are giving Alyssa Milano credit for starting it. And I don't know if that's the case or not, but what the hashtag is, is, uh, it's connected to sexual assault or, um, sexual harassment of women. And basically what the initial, um, post was, is if you have ever experienced sexual assault or sexual harassment, just put hashtag me too. And, you know, what ended up happening last night and is continuing today is there's a lot of women putting hashtag me too. Um, and I could, I haven't yet just because I didn't, I wasn't posting anything last night, but I'm just saying for the record, me too. Um, and why that's so important is I think everything that's happened um, in the last week with Harvey, Weins, uh, Harvey Weinstein mm -hmm. is that sometimes when there, it's a breakthrough and it's a horrible breakthrough and it's information that people don't want to hear. And I think some, some people still struggle with it or say, how could this be? Or how could this have gone on for so long where somebody really systemically was sexually assaulting or harassing women for 20 years? I mean, maybe longer. And that there were other people, men and women who knew what was going on and not only allowed it to happen, but sometimes we're part of the process of, oh, yes, I'll walk you up to the hotel room sure. where he's in a bathrobe and, you know, I'll leave you here. Mm -hmm. um, and those things become normalized. Right. And while many of us can say there's nothing normal about that, what normalizes it is the fear of what will happen if someone says something. And the fear is, from everything I've read about this Hollywood scandal, is that people were told and it was understood that you would not work anymore. You would not have a job. You would be banned. You would be blacklisted. And even if it wasn't said as literally as I just did, it was understood. Um, Harvey Weinstein was the... Uh, probably at one point because of all of his you know, Academy Awards, the most powerful man in Hollywood. Um, and even if that has decreased a bit in the last however many years, he still has a great deal of power. So quick pause. Mm -hmm. I remember when you and I were talking about this and the first one that I heard that came out years ago, I guess, was Ashley Judd. Correct. And then Correct. some of the more famous ones, uh, even you know, as famous, if not more, came out, Gwyneth Paltrow. Angelina Jolie. Angelina Jolie. And I'm like, my gosh, these women are the, I think of Angelina Jolie and Gwyneth Paltrow as very strong women. Mm -hmm. And and I say this because there may be some guys out there asking the same question that I asked you is like, these strong women didn't have, uh, for whatever reason, they didn't come out when it was happening. I'm like, Kathy, how come mm -hmm. these strong women didn't do this? And your answer was power. Well, for sure. Right? I mean, and this is, here's the thing, guys, guys and girls, why didn't you come out and say anything? And then you come out and say something and you become blamed and you become the problem. And somebody asks you what you wore and what you needed and you really wanted a role in that film, didn't you? And you would have done anything for it. And what did you say to him and what did you allude and how did you look at him? It becomes your about problem. About you as opposed to about him. And when you are in that position and you are and, – and again, let me also say like the, the Gwyneth Paltrow part. She was 22 years old. Right. And so to say, well, she's a strong woman. Right. She should come out. Are you kidding me? Right. Like you've got the powers that be when you 
you are looking at Hollywood and it's just a metaphor for any other like workplace. Sure. And it's all men who are in charge and they know what's going on. And you have experienced your whole life, this normalization of people talking down to you and telling you're, you, you're to blame. I don't care how strong you think right. you know that person is. The system does not work for them. Right. And when you think about the, I'm just going to go to another tangent, how closets and closets are full of rape kits of women who have come forward and said, I've been raped and their rape kit has been shelved and nobody is looking for that person. Nobody is saying that they can prosecute this person. Nobody is even offering to allow this woman to testify because they're like, no one will believe you. Mm. When that's the system you have set up and then you say to women, why didn't you step forward? Are you kidding me? Mm. Because the women who do, I am in awe of them because they know what's going to happen. And they do it anyways. And they do it anyway. And they know that they're going to be thrown under the bus for a period of time. They are going to be not not believed. They are going to be, um, you know, for something as high profile, they're going to be in the media. They are going to be called names and that their vindication or the, the... if they ever get it, will come much later. Right. They're going to have to pay a significant price. Significant price. And then we're we're talking about famous people. What about your average person in a business? Not only – that's why the Me Too hashtag is so important because this is not about – see, I think people, instead of just looking at what it means, people become really defensive, And what people are trying to say is, do you know how normal this is in our society? Do you know how often these things happen to women where we have become used to it, almost expect it, and then we know we have to deal with it? And that is why this needs to – this is blowing up as much as it is because silence has allowed this to go on. But no one person is to blame. It's not about it's just not about pointing fingers. It's that now that there is like the ball has gotten rolling, everyone's like, okay, now I feel like I'm among people who care. Would it be okay if I read Jackson Katz's yeah. quote? Yeah, it's really Kathy good. Kathy sent this to me. And Jackson Katz is a man, I don't know, he's an author maybe, I don't know. Yeah, and he's an advocate for um, healthy masculinity. Healthy masculinity. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of his clips on YouTube and I'm a big fan of his. And this is a two paragraph, so bear with me. He says, we talk about how many women were raped last year, not about how many men raped women. We talk about how many girls in a school district were harassed last year not about how many boys harassed girls. We talk about how many teenage girls in the state of Vermont got pregnant last year, rather than how many men and boys impregnated teenage girls. So you can see how the use of the passive voice has a political effect. It shifts the focus off of men and boys and onto girls and women. Even the term violence against women is problematic. It's a passive construction. There's no active agent in the sentence. It's a bad thing that happens to women. But when you look at that term, violence against women, nobody is doing it to them. It just happens to them. Men aren't aren't even a part of it. So this is why there becomes some women's movement and it becomes very focused around women and what women need to do when the issue at times, not always, but at times is about what men what they are experiencing at the hands of men, right. but men aren't involved in it. Right. And so we're trying to figure out something and we're trying to deal with something and the ears aren't open. Right. There's not a listening. And this was something, a tweet that I saw this morning, actually just right before we started the show, 
this woman on Twitter said, I'm seeing a lot of well-meaning male friends on Facebook talk about hashtag me too. I hope they are pausing to consider whether they have ever been that guy. Now, why that's such a powerful tweet Mm -hmm. is a lot of times we say, oh, that's other people. The things that I do, no one would perceive them to be, you know, any kind of uh, harassment or assault. But what this is an opportunity to do, what self-awareness is, is an opportunity to look at your own personal behavior and say not, you know, it's like you don't have to beat yourself up. You just have to say, where am I contributing to this and where am I being an advocate or a supporter or someone who is even willing to listen? Because the men who come back right away and say, this is ridiculous or this, like one of your guy friends said to me recently, you know, that statistic one out of six, that's not really real. No, I'm like, that was on that podcast. Um, they, it doesn't matter. No, yes. actually one of your friends. Said oh, really? To me too. Yeah. Okay. And I can't even, what, first of all, how do you know that? Like why, and and why would you say that to me? Right. Like, what is it in that sentence? You know, you know, one out of six, it's not really real. Okay, so one out of seven, mm-hmm. does that, are we good now? Like, what is- Call it one out of 12, one out of 20, it doesn't matter. It's still a problem. And it's still something that if someone would say, oh, that's interesting, you know, that's interesting, or or how do, or when have I seen this, or when have I experienced this, or when have I played a role in this, rather than I'm not even gonna look at it, I don't believe you. That's what we've experienced right. most of our lives. So this is just another opportunity instead of there being a defensiveness and of I'm not willing to see this and no women, it's women, you know, it's a humanity problem. Yeah. Um, why not like, oh, this is interesting. Mm-hmm. And how, even if I'm not doing this, where have I seen this before? Right. Who has shared with me their story and have I listened? And that's really all I wanted to say about it. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to say me too. And I wanted to say, you know, my a girlfriend of mine, we were together yesterday. And, we and just were, for clarification, me too is, have you been sexually harassed? If you not assaulted, either, but harassed. I know, I know, but I, not that it matters that much, but I'm just curious, like if, so, I think, are there any women out there that haven't been sexually harassed? It's kind of the point. Probably not. Right. But I'm just wondering if the hashtag is in relation to- Sexual sp- harassment and assault. And assault, mm-hmm. okay. And because someone can- not physically touch you, but say things to you or interact with you in such a way that still demonstrates power and that you have no power. So this is where we get, it gets into that area of, well, oh, well, if they didn't touch you, it's not a problem. Mm -hmm. When someone has power over you, Mm -hmm. they have power over you. And harassment comes in many, many different forms. And some of us experienced it as, you know, here's the, this is the story I was going to tell us. I was with my girlfriend yesterday and we were talking about this and we actually, we were just talking about Harvey Weinstein. We hadn't even, I hadn't even seen the Me Too hashtag yet. And I, and she and I were like, where would we begin? Like, because she and I have known each other our whole lives. Mm -hmm. So we have so many stories that we've shared with each other over the years about an experience of her being in a workplace. I mean, she, had a boss who was like her mentor, who at one point totally thought he was something different. Mm -hmm. And that's so sad when someone, when you're respecting someone and, you know, someone's that person in your life. And then they are like, no, I think I am owed this. Um, And we've had those experiences. We're 46, you know? So it's just a, it's not about Again, you know, we talk about this all the show about the balance. It's not that every single man has done this. And it's not that it means that every single man 
um, would ever wish this for anybody. And maybe they are in the same situation we are in where it's been so normalized in their lives that they're like, oh, wait, this isn't okay. Right. You know, it's, it's a wake-up call. That's yeah. all. It's just a wake-up call. Well, and what I want to do is I want to share a story about something that happened on yeah. Saturday, which I think relates to this. Yeah. But first, I need to talk about one of our two partners that we're talking about today. Uh, and it's a new partner, HelloFresh, HelloFresh.com. What is HelloFresh? It's uh, the meal kit delivery service that makes cooking more fun so you can focus on the whole experience, not just the final plate. HelloFresh sources the Freshest ingredients measured to the exact quantities needed so there's no food waste. And HelloFresh delivers food to your doorstep in a recyclable insulated box for free. Um, we actually did HelloFresh, sweetie. And do you remember my experience with it? I ended up eating eggplant sandwiches and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, it was a really good experience. Because <laughs> um, I'm not a big fan of the whole shopping and everything else. And uh, I we made, I think, three or four different uh, meals. And it actually worked out much better than I even hoped. And I was hoping some for some good things. So here's a call to action. If you go to HelloFresh.com and you enter the unique promo code ZEN30, it'll be 30 bucks off your first week of HelloFresh. But you got to insert that coupon code ZEN30, and then you get 30 bucks off. So thank you to HelloFresh for partnering with us. And for you moms and dads out there that want to give something different a try and try different foods, that's the way to go. So here is my story. Uh, my daughter, who's... And- and just tell the basics of her story, because this is her story. Just um, tell them. She was going to a birthday. I don't know what the basics mean. Well, it just means that she was, um, you know, well, go ahead. Um, she had a birthday party. She went. Uh, she realized that all her girlfriends were wearing a dress, and mm-hmm. she wasn't. Mm-hmm. So she asked me, she actually pleaded with me via text, can you please bring me a dress? Mm-hmm. And there's something else that happened beforehand that kind of frustrated me as a dad. And so I was kind of at my tipping point. And maybe some of it was because I was running late. Yeah, we had for to what be we were somewhere, doing. yeah. So I made a comment out loud. It was really supposed to be in my head, but it doesn't matter. I made it out loud. And the comment was, I'm so glad I'm not a girl. And then I ran out and delivered the dress because I was trying to be a dutiful dad and connect with my daughter in a way because she was asking me to. So I did that. And then Kathy came back and said- You came back? Or no, I came back and you, I don't know, I, you take it from there. What did you say? Well, you walked in and I said, because before you left, you kind of looked at me like, do I really need to do this? And I said, I think it would be, I said, I think that this is a good thing to do. Mm-hmm. I said, I think that um, she's in a situation where we can help her. We can't do, we can't help her all the time in these situations. She's only a few blocks away. Um, you know, and you and I agreed together. Okay, let's do this. Right. And then you said, you know, I'm so glad I'm not a girl. And then you came back and the first thing I said to you was, thank you for doing that. I, that was the right choice. It mm-hmm. really was. I think it's going to put a lot of, uh, deposits in her bank account, yeah. like with you yeah. and you did, we both got huge texts oh, saying thank you so happy. much. Cause she knew that it wasn't something that we had to do. We could do it, but we did anyways. Yeah. She was prepared to hear no, yes. put it that way. But when she heard yes, she was thankful. And then I said to Todd, um, what you said before you walked out the door about being so happy that you're not a girl, I said, let me tell you first that I've heard that my whole life. Um, you know, I've heard boys say that to me. I've heard men say that to me. I've heard you say that to me. And I want to ask you if you would maybe say something different because you live with three girls and a woman. Right. So there's a disparaging 
um, aspect to that. Right. And I, you know, whatever, I, I got defensive probably in you the said, moment. You you know what I mean. Right. Oh, that's right. I said, you know what I mean. And here's the thing, and I've talked about this before, and, you know, we're, you know, I made a mistake and I did my best to own it afterwards, even though I was still defensive and frustrated, probably in myself, but I projected it onto you. Um, because what I was doing, I was hiding behind my intention. The intention of what I was trying to say is, as a 45-year-old man, I just am so grateful that I don't have to worry about certain things like that. Like, there's, I don't really care that much about how I look at most times and I go out with bedheads and all that. And kind of that was my intention of what I was trying to communicate. But guys and girls, women and men, we cannot hide behind intention because the impact of my words are much greater than what my intention was. So what we need, so what I need to do is I need to own up that I said something that impacted you negatively, even though I was not trying to say, I, I love girls. I've, I have three daughters. I love mm-hmm. you. And just because I love my daughters and love you doesn't give me permission to make these kind of comments. Well, and here's the thing. What Todd just said about what he was really trying to say was, I'm so glad I'm a 45-year-old man and I don't have to worry about this. That comment's fine. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not telling Todd to feel differently. He can feel, this is stupid. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't believe I have to drive, you know, over here and bring this dress. I would never need to do that. Feel that way. But when you make general comments, like, I'm so glad I'm not a girl, as if girls, as if girls equal worried about everything, insecure, um, you know, a challenge, difficult, dramatic. And he didn't use those words, but this is what's, you know, what you can elude from that comment. That's not the good thing. So I didn't say to Todd, you need to feel differently or how dare you feel that way. I said, just choose different words. And his, as he said, he said to me, you know what I mean? Kind of like Kathy, quit being a therapist at all times. And what I said to him was, we talk about this on the show all the time. And if you and I can't do this, then what are we asking people to do? Because I know what you meant. You're a good man. You're good to all women, not just your daughters and me, but you are a good man. But you're still saying a sentence that can be disparaging. Mm-hmm. So my goal, the thing is, is do I point it out and risk this conversation or do I just not say anything and hope you understand? Well, and here's the other thing. If we were to flip around, if you said something like, you know, whatever boys are, or men are generally known for, whatever it is, right. and you said something like, I'm so glad I'm not a boy or a man, I don't think I would be offended. And maybe that's because, I don't, for whatever reason, I don't think I would be. But that doesn't mean that it's okay that I say it to you. Right. And interestingly enough, I wasn't deeply offended by that sentence. And this is why I've heard it my whole life. Right. But I had a moment of clarity that that sentence, the fact that I'm not offended is a problem. Mm-hmm. That I've, that's been normalized to me. Right. That somehow being a girl is difficult and bad and drama. That we're drama filled. And so I had a light go on when you said that because it was referring to our daughter. Mm-hmm. That I'm like, wait. 
that's totally uncool. <laughs> well, and I also want to say that it's just very easy for a 45-year-old man to um, make light of something because it seems so silly. A dress or she's wearing jeans and a nice sweater. Like, right. what's the difference? Right. But I also remember when I was in third grade, I think I've shared this story on the podcast, when I was in third grade, I remember all the guys had moon boots. Mm-hmm. Remember moon boots? Sure, they were really... And I didn't have moon boots. Yeah. And I always felt like, oh, I don't have moon boots. So like the next winter, I said, mom, I really want moon boots this year because I want to conform the way that most kids have a need to conform. That's what people have. And I would like to have what people have. Uh, So I got my moon boots and I was all excited for the first big day out on the recess, uh, on the playground. Uh And uh, by then the kids were wearing cowboy boots so that we could drag each other on the ice and you can kind of slide along. So I was the only sucker wearing moon boots and I felt a deep uh, regret, embarrassment and everything else. So my point is, it's easy for me to say I would never do that, but in this day, I of course I have a need to conform with my friends of course. in many situations. So it's just very judgmental. Mm-hmm. I guess is what I'm saying. And it's a, it's a, everything is an opportunity for self-awareness. It's not an opportunity to be self-shaming or to, you know, say, aren't I a hor- horrible person? And then it's also not an opportunity on the other side to go, isn't she, she's the problem. She needs to get over it. She should feel better about herself because there's a, there's an untruth in there, which is we all want to belong. Mm-hmm. And when you are a certain age, I don't care if you're a girl or a boy, there is an, an innate sense of needing to belong because it's developmentally appropriate. Yeah. It's not a insecurity. It's developmentally appropriate. Right. It's when they start to look to their peers and say, I want to be like them. I want to be with them. I want to be influenced by them. And it's not It's not conscious. It's subconscious. And so if you understand that, then you quit shaming them for want. Now, could it get out of control where they're like, I need to have every single thing my friend has and I need... And yeah, it can get out of control where you... You have to say, no, this isn't going to happen. And you and I say no all the time. You know, just because they want something doesn't mean they're getting it. What we can do, though, is understand why they want it. That's the key to connection. The key to connection is not, I'm going to fulfill every wish you have. The key to connection is, I understand why you're making that wish. Mm-hmm. And, and then and, and saying and a saying, positive no. Exactly. And saying, I get it. And you can put that on your list for your birthday, but that's not something I'm going to get today. Mm-hmm. That's something that you can wish for, save money for, or, but I also am like, I get it. I understand. And usually by the time their birthday or the holidays roll around, they want something different. Right. Um, and so what that experience, it was a good experience for Todd and I, I knew he would be frustrated at me because he is a good man and he were, and as all of you listening to the show, I assume you're all good men and and I know you're doing hard work and I know, you know, especially with Todd that he's practicing self-awareness and having these discussions. So, so me calling him out like that, I know his initial reaction would be, oh my gosh, really, Kathy, of everything that I'm doing? But this is what we're asking people to do all the time is it's the small things. If we If we allow a racist joke to just sit there in the air and we don't say anything. Not only do we allow that racist joke to live in the air, and Todd didn't say anything racist. I'm using Right, you're using a different example of of what what we witness or observe or whatever. Not only that, but we swallow our our own integrity and we, we 
forget that our voice matters and that we have an opportunity in that moment to say, you know what, that wasn't okay with me. And I also believe, as I say all the time, and I got this quote from Maya Angelou, but I believe it deeply, that words really are alive and they're things. And for the the man in our house who we love and respect, you know, my three girls and I, and we adore Todd, to have him say, I'm so glad I'm not you, is not words that we want lingering in the house. And he didn't even, he would say, I didn't mean it that way. I love you people, I know, but the words are alive. Mm -hmm. So instead, have your feeling of frustration, but use different words. So So can you guys understand? It's not about telling someone what to think or what to feel. It's about saying, be thoughtful about how you say it. Right. That's called inclusive language. It's not everyone's like, oh, it's so PC. I'm rolling my eyes. I can't believe it's so PC. People feel they have more of a right to say something than other people have a right to feel safe and included. Mm-hmm. People are like, I want to be able to say whatever I want to say, and you can't tell me to not. So what you're saying is that your space is more important than other people's space. There's a way to be able to say what you need to say with inclusive language, yeah. which doesn't disparage, which doesn't um, dehumanize, dehumanize other people. Discriminate. Thank you. Great words. You can feel what you want to feel and express yourself without making somebody else feel horrible. And that's our practice. Um, so I thought that was a good, I thought we got through that pretty well though. Yeah. It didn't take very long. I don't know. No. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like you could have withheld that yeah. and then you would have been like frustrated at me that night. Yes. And it would have come through another way. Yes. I would have been frustrated and then and eventually. Be, and then as the guy be like, what's wrong? Right. And you would either subconsciously not even know what it was because you buried it somewhere inside your being. Yeah. Or it would just, you'd, you'd hold on to it until you had four other things and they would all come out. And when we don't do that, but no. a lot of couples do is like, they just swallow and until, um, you know, it overflows and then all of a sudden it comes pouring out and like, oh my gosh, what's going on? We did, Todd and I did a class last week, like a marital compassion class at the library. And we actually have one more coming up next month on parent parental compassion. So for those of you who live in the Chicagoland area, I highly recommend. But last week we did this marital compassion class. And that comment that you just made was probably the one that got the most like, you know, cause there's a lot of couples in the room. Like, you know, we, we feel things and we let it build up and build up and build up till it explodes. Or all of a sudden we just have this undercurrent of con- constant resentment mm-hmm. toward our partner. And we have to, A, number one, recognize who is our partner to us. Are they our husband and our wife? And we just throw them in that category and we don't, we just kind of act as if we can treat them any way that we want to. Or is this our most important friend in the world, our spiritual partner, the person we've chosen to walk through life with? And if that's the case, don't allow resentment to build up and don't not speak what you need to say. Um, You know, like, the other thing that's really important from the message giver, because in that situation, I was the message giver. Yeah. I started that sentence with Todd by saying, what you just did for our daughter was awesome, and she is going to appreciate it, and you did the right thing, and thank you. So you disarmed me. Uh, you 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 deflated the intensity of the potential interaction that may right. come afterwards. Having said that, I don't remember. I, I know that you said that, yeah. but when I think about that, that's not what I'm thinking about. Well, I know, right? but that was intentional. Right. It not, And it wasn't like like you just said, you just were, used the word, you disarmed me. I wasn't doing it to disarm you. Well, disarming is good. What I mean by disarm is if, if you just come out and say what I did wrong, mm-hmm. it's 
from a communication standpoint between two people, it's not going to work. Mm -hmm. So what you did is you made a miniature deposit into my account Mm -hmm. so I can maybe be a little bit more open to listening. That's what I mean by disarm. Correct. You're right. And, and, And that was my intention was to create a space for you to be able to hear me, but also really to acknowledge I wasn't being inauthentic. You really did make the right choice there. Right. I mean, I felt it in my gut, like... When you said to me, this is what she wants me to do, I was like, it's the right thing. Like sometimes Todd and I are really torn about what the right thing is. We really have to go into long, deep talks. And this one I knew, I felt, and he did it and we got through it. And you know what? The, The final thing is, is that's what intimacy comes from, is Todd knows who I am and he knows and I know who he is. And sometimes difficult conversations have to occur before we know each other that well, but it's worth it. And so for those of you who are like, well, I don't want to say this because I'm afraid of what they'll think or it it is, first of all, you have to do your own work to respect yourself and understand you're worthy. But then there is that sense of sharing is what makes intimacy. Mm -hmm. Well, and uh, tonight I'm actually doing a men's group and the topic is candor and withholding and and how... In, in most couplehoods, rarely are we deliberately lying to one another, but m- most all of us withhold at one right. point or another. And you could have withheld that. And not only would that have kind of depleted a little bit of the ener- uh, uh, energy of uh, our the connection mm-hmm. of our relationship, but your energy would be depleted. Like you, like it's, it's, it's a, you know, a lot of us think that, you know, we're just doing it for the sake of, oh, just kind of letting it, you know, go off our back or something like that. But it's a depletion of energy when you're withholding your what something that needs to come out. It is. You know? And there is the final thing about this is that there is a distinction between what needs to be said and what can roll off your back. Yeah. Not every single thing I feel do I necessarily think that Todd needs to hear about because sometimes it's my crap. Right. Sometimes it's so my stuff. Like it's just an everyday thing we're having and all of a sudden I'm frustrated at him and I realize... He's not doing anything wrong. I'm just frustrated, yeah. you know, and, and I know it takes self-awareness to like differentiate and I'm not saying I do it perfectly, sure. but this was a literal experience that I had where it was very clear that Todd said something, even though he didn't mean to be offensive, that I thought was a great opportunity to at least express what I felt. But I'm not doing that every day. Yeah. Just so you guys are very clear, this doesn't mean every single thing I feel, I'm going to make it an issue. It's not that cut and dry. You really have to have a sense of discernment. Discernment. You really have to it's be like, is word. this is this a thing that necessitates our attention, or is this a thing I want to say because I've had a long day and I'm tired? So, two things before we go to my next trigger point of something called I'll tell you in a second. But um, our second partner is CanvasPeople.com. I've, we've been talking about them for the last few months. They're an amazing partner of ours. Um, it's an easy-to-use photo-to-canvas service that takes your favorite photo memories and turns them into beautiful artwork for you to enjoy every day. Instead of snapping uh, all these awesome pictures on your phone and letting them rot, it's time to bring that picture to life. So go to CanvasPeople.com and go to the 11 by 14 canvas. And if you insert the coupon code ZEN, Z-E-N, you will, the price will go down from $69.99 down to zero. You just pay shipping. And we have some of this beautiful artwork on our walls of our home, and we think it should be on the walls of your home. So check them out, canvaspeople.com, coupon code ZEN. Um, And then 
quickly, we have uh, Team Zen Talk. Uh, we actually had one yesterday, if we want to be specific. What is Team Zen, sweetheart? So Team Zen is our virtual community, and basically every other week we have a live call. It's kind of like doing a live podcast. People can ask questions right there on the spot, or they can email us questions ahead of time, and then we answer them. Um, we also have a Facebook page where people can interact with each other. I think there's been some connections made of people who live in the same state or city, um, so they're finding their own community live and, you know, virtually. Um, and also it's an opportunity for people to ask questions there on the Facebook page and get Todd and my response or other people in the community. So it's just kind of an opportunity for more, you know, a lot of people listen to the show and they're like, this is great, but I don't really hear this. I don't have a lot of friends who talk like this. I don't have a lot of people that I can rely on to, to share with. And this is our response to that. It's an ability to be able to surround yourself with like-minded people and yeah. kind of get support Practice. from one another. Mm -hmm. So, all right. So here's my other thing. My friend, Sean, whom I love, sent this to me two weeks ago. I didn't get a chance to talk about it on last week's podcast, but I'm just going to read a few sentences from this article in the Wall Street Journal. And there is a an app that we as parents can use, and it's called Class Dojo. What is Class Dojo? It's where elementary and middle school teachers are using this to provide real-time reports to parents throughout the day. As of September, 101,000 schools, K through 8, are using the app, up 17% from a year ago. As it spreads, it's raising questions about how useful it is for teachers to grade children every day and for parents to monitor them like a stock that rises or falls. Um, it's a smartphone, smartphone version of the star chart. Teachers set up their own point system coming up with categories of behaviors and parents get daily notifications and a circular graph that turns green or red. Um, and there's a few other things I might share, but when I read this, I totally got triggered. So sweetie, you might have to talk me off the ledge, but, um, <laughs> The idea of, I, first of all, I know the intention is always pure, almost always pure, and parents just want to be able to love their child more, and they feel like one way to love your child is to know how they're doing from one minute to the next at school. But for me, I just feel like we need to kind of let go a little bit and let your kids be away for eight hours and let ourselves be away from our kids for eight hours. And, um, you know, and there's, and I should say that Class Dojo does a lot of different things. And one of it is just like simply informational, like, hey, there's a parent teacher conference two weeks from now. So, like, it's not just about it's an interactive app. Yeah. yeah it's mm -hmm. not just about how is my kid behaving today. And the parents can set their notifications up differently to do that. But for the parents out there that want to know how their parent, how their kids are doing, from one day to the next, I just feel like there needs to, for me, there a balance needs to be struck about how much information is, is really necessary. Well, I like the example you give from the Wall Street Journal article about it's like watching stock, stocks rise and fall because the truth about human beings, about humanity, is one minute they can be frustrated and the next minute they're fine and then the next minute they're sad and then the next minute they're, they've recovered. And when if you watch stocks, they could stress you out or make you really excited. But really what you need to look is is the long term, mm -hmm. like, or you need to be able to step back and see the the pattern and the path that's been created. That's what's more relevant rather than the moment to moment experience. It's it's not are they upset or did they get in trouble? It's how did they were they resilient enough to get through it? Were and those are the kind of things we see when we step back. Right. And if we're too hyper focused on the moment to moment, um, 
we're going to stifle their ability to figure things out themselves. So this is from the article. Miss Smith, who's from Florida, likes that it keeps her tuned in to the class and sparks conversations at home. When it showed that Aiden was docked a point for talking to a neighboring class, if I hadn't seen that, I wouldn't have known it happened, she says. But it's not a problem that it happened because kids talk in class. But he got docked a point. It's a problem. <laughs> well, and, and here's the thing. is She may say, this is such a... Interesting conversation because in that moment, that is a problem and that is a thing that the teacher has to deal with and that is a real thing in that moment. But that's also an experience that a child needs to have. It's very similar to the first experience that we were talking about on the show about my daughter's ear getting infected. I don't want her to get her ear infected and I don't want Aiden to be talking in class. But the experience of that happening allows them to feel what a consequence is and understand what they need to do differently next time or experience what it feels like to consistently get in trouble. Like we have to feel our way through life, mm-hmm. you know, through our lives. We can't prevent every negative situation from occurring. All we can do is teach our kids that they have the capacity to get through it and that they're built to deal with it and that they're built to make good choices. But how do you know a choice is good? You make a bad choice Mm -hmm. and then you realize, ooh, that wasn't a good choice. Well, and, you know, I believe me, I know when, you know, your kids come home from school, I say, you know, if I ask a really silly question like how is school, you know the answer you're going to get, which is fine or good or whatever. Um, And, you know, I can understand how this will make it easier for us parents to inquire about certain things that happen during the day. But I don't feel like this is the healthy way of going about that. And I feel like uh, as parents, we need to challenge ourselves to get more creative on how to engage with our kids um, outside of going to an app on her phone to talk about what happened at school that day. Right. And good point, Todd. Like, really, this is about how do we find a a way to communicate with our kids where they share with us, we also feel like we are asking them the right questions and really investing in how we communicate yeah. rather than having this this outside Almost resource. Almost makes it too easy. And, and here's the thing. There may be somebody listening, like a child who has significant special needs or physical disabilities, who they're like, you know what? I would like to know how my child There's is doing. There's exceptions to every rule. Right. And so this isn't like, oh, what a waste of technology. This is, if this became normalized for every single child, this could be, uh, it, it, it could be interesting. Well, and we talk a lot about self-care. It's not good for you as the mom or the dad to be worrying about your kid while they're at school. This is the time for you to worry about yourself, to work on yourself, to do these things. Um, I don't know. To focus on your own life. Yeah. You know, to, if you have to go to your full-time job or if it's that you've got to deal with issues beyond your children, um, it is, that's one of the perks of a school system is your children then get the experience and exposure of other adults and other kids and they're learning how to be in the world. Um, so if we're too hyper focused on them while they're there, then we're not getting the experience of them not being with us. That's right. So, you know, as as all things, nothing is all good or all bad, but Todd definitely didn't like this. No, I didn't. I was definitely wearing my judgment hat, <laughs> which I love. I love that hat. It's you my like favorite that hat. hat. Is that, are you comfy in that hat? Ah, uh, such a good hat. When you have to take it off, do you feel exposed? Yes, vulnerable, which is actually not such a bad thing, right? No. Um, so real quick plug to my friend who I have only met via email. His name is Brandon Harvey, and he has a website called goodgoodgood.co, which is kind of a cool one. And I subscribe to his newspaper. He has a newspaper, 
and it's all good news to kind of balance out the regular newspaper, which is mostly bad, bad news. news yeah. um, he says, good news isn't dead. Every quarter he sends out to prove it by printing the stories of the people, ideas, and movements that are changing the world for the better. Awesome. So I just subscribed to it. It comes quarterly. I haven't got my first one yet. And he also has a podcast called Sounds Good. Uh, it's a weekly podcast hosting hopeful conversations with optimists and world changers about the unique experience that drive them to use their influence for good. And they just, she, he just had who on? I was just playing it this morning. Terry Trent. Oh, Terry Trent. Yeah. yeah. So Terry Trent, Dr. Terry Trent, uh, she was at the Emerging Women Conference that I was at last weekend. And she was at the Emerging Women Conference two years ago, too. And some of you may know the story. Did I already tell this story? No. Well, if I did, I'm telling it again. Um, is So she is the person who was Oprah's favorite guest ever. So for those of you who watch the Oprah Winfrey show, Oprah did like a top 10 of her favorite shows. And just to give you some perspective, number two was Maddie Stepanek, who mm. was is like My a hero. hero of Todd and I and, you know, a little boy who came into the world with significant physical disabilities, but had this like amazing awareness about the world and wrote poetry. And he has since passed away, but he was number two. Yeah. Number one was Dr. Tara I. Trent, a woman who was born in Africa, Zimbabwe, and she basically made it through um, being being a child bride and having children and being abused. And and she her her wish for herself was, I want to have an education. There was someone from Heifer International who went over to Africa, talked with these women and said, you can be anything you want to be. Right. And she took it as as fact. Yeah. She said, if that's the truth, then I want to get my education. And long story short, she became a doctor. She got her doctorate. And I've since seen her speak several times. She's amazing. But the the fun story is two years ago, at Emerging Women, I had to leave on Sunday morning and she was going to speak Sunday afternoon. And I kept telling everybody how sad I was that I wasn't able to see Dr. Trent. And it was just really, you know, unfortunate. And that afternoon, uh, that Saturday afternoon, I went to a workshop and we had to partner up with somebody, um, as you often do in workshops. And I turned to my right and this woman was there in this beautiful dress. And um, and I said, yeah, you know, we'll be partners. And she said, okay. And, and it was, I, I, Yes, I should have known, but she was, it was Dr. Tara I. Trent. She was my partner. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And I'm like, I'm so honored to meet you. And I started telling her her whole life story. And she was like, how do you know me? <laughs> she was really freaked out. And I'm like, you forget you were on Oprah, you know, like I know your story. And then it was lovely. And she was so wonderful. And she's also going to be in uh, LaGrange yeah. next Saturday, yeah. um, speaking at Anderson's Bookstore. So FYI, for those of you in town or in Chicago. But anyway, um, she was on his show. So my friend Brian, uh, Brendan Harvey, Brandon Harvey, um, has an amazing podcast. And even better, I'm looking forward to his uh, good newspaper. So I just wanted to throw a plug out to him because he is walking the walk. Um, and then we don't, for the second week in a row, sweetie, we don't have any iTunes reviews. Are you sure? I just, we have this iTunes page and sometimes I get like little things from it, like an email from it. And I think we did get a review. <laughs> Guess not. I don't think so. All right. Um, I can actually try to pull it up real quick. And then uh, no Zen friends either. Um, or no, what are they called? Zen friends. Zen, what's a Zen friend? Well, it, a Zen friend is somebody who, when they buy their ticket for the conference, they also donate some money to our scholarship program to make sure that people who want to attend the conference who can't afford it do. Now, who are these people? Um, a lot of single parents that I've gotten emails from, some people in the military. Um, I've gotten emails from teachers, from 
um, like a preschool teacher just recently, um, a c- couples who live somewhere else in the United States who have to pay for their airfare and their hotel. And, you know, the ticket is just too much on top of that. And we're trying to make sure that if people want to be here, that we figure out a way to get them here. So, you know, that's what Zen Friend is. So join us in that. Um, do you have to go to the conference in order to be a Zen friend? No. If you like the show and you're, you want to support the conference as a whole, but you know you can't attend, you can still go to the Zen Parenting Conference page, go to click on where you would get a ticket, and you don't have to buy a ticket, but you can just become a Zen friend. So we're trying to make that easier for people on our website to become a Zen friend. Um, right now, you actually have to go to the ticketing page um, or just email us and we'll get you there. So uh, thank you for supporting us because this talk about something being a mission driven experience. The the conference is a labor of love. Um, it's not a, uh, it, it, the whole goal is just to have a, you know, collective group of people come together who create kindness and love and put that out into the universe. And it's, um, it's a lot of work getting there. But maybe, we're going to make it happen. Maybe we've had some reviews. Um, I think we have. But you know what? This is two weeks. Oh, you got to go? I do. You got to go do. to yoga. I do. You got to go do your downward dog. I do. Um, well, I will look at the iTunes reviews and bring them up next week. Okay. So anyways, um, anything else? Parting words, my dear? Um, no, I just hope everybody has a wonderful week and, you know, always more to come. And just one thing I'll say lately, when I've been waking up in the morning, instead of looking at my phone or anything, I've been, I've got three books next to my bed now and I read quotes from each of the books. Mm. And then my friend Carolyn just told me that she gets up every morning and says, it's a great day to be alive. So I just said that this morning and it changed my whole morning. Love that Carolyn. I know. She's the best. So I'm so Create a morning practice and set the tone for your day. And keep trucking. Yes. All right, be good. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you, and we hope you'll join us next time. If you're a fan of Zen Parenting Radio, consider leaving us a review on iTunes. This helps people find us. You can also tell a friend about our show. Are you a force for good? Yes. If so, then get your tickets for the Zen Parenting Conference, March 2nd and 3rd, 2018, with Cheryl Strayed, Orly Waba, and Mike Damish. When purchasing your tickets, consider becoming a Zen friend for our conference scholarship program. Let's make sure anyone who wants to attend can be there. Come see us. We look forward to having everyone in Chicago. Check out all of our live events at zenparentingradio.com. You can also find our virtual community of listeners that we call Team Zen. You can find books and podcasts that we recommend and so many other opportunities and resources. Go to zenparentingradio.com. If you want to know more about self-awareness or conscious parenting, pick up one of Kathy's awesome award-winning books at zenparentingradio.com or on Amazon. Thank you. You're welcome. And just so you know, I coach guys. It's called coaching for guys on the phone skype or in person contact me to uncover the subtle shifts that will change your life if you're looking for a group of men to have authentic conversations with check out the tribe we would love to have you be a part of the tribe if you ever shop via amazon you can help us out by first going through the amazon link found on our homepage, zenparentingradio.com under support us it doesn't cost anything to you but we get a small commission from amazon I want to give a special thanks to our partners, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care and Avid Painting and Remodeling. They've been with us since the start, and we love them. And to all of you, thanks, thanks for your for love your and, and support. support. Keep trucking. <laughs> Bye. Bye.